I'd ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the Old Testament book of Exodus. And we're going to be in chapter 19 this morning as we actually are going to see almost like a movie trailer of what we're going to be studying on Wednesday nights here at church. So we're going to come off of our Ephesians series for a moment because this is really important. And I would ask you to make plans to be here. We're going to be studying the Ten Commandments. And I know you might be saying, well, I, I, I know the Ten Commandments. Let me tell you, you don't yet. We're going to dive into them and see exactly why God gave them, who he gave them to. And we're going to answer the question, do the Ten Commandments still matter? We're so far away from when they were handed down. Like, does it matter anymore. And that's the theme this term in Wednesday nights. We're going to be looking into the context and the history of the Ten Commandments this morning because when we're in the Bible and we're reading scripture, context really does matter. And this morning we're going to see some very early instances where we get to learn from God about God. We're not reading his very first words this morning, but some of his very early words this morning gives us a chance to learn about him. But before we get started, it'd probably be helpful just to have a refresher on the Ten Commandments. Let me read these to you. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make unto you any graven images. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. So why did God give the Ten Commandments? And why are they relevant, if they're relevant to us? Why should we really care? Our story this morning starts hundreds of years before the Ten Commandments were given. God had told Abraham that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations, of many, many people were going to come after and through the line of Abraham. One of those men, much later on down the road, is a man named Joseph. Now, Joseph's brothers really didn't like him too much. They actually sold him to a group of traveling merchants, and, and, and they sold him, and the people that bought him took him into Egypt. So here's Joseph now in Egypt, long way away from his family, and now in Egypt what happens is, is he gets in with the Pharaoh. And he works his way up the ladder in, the, in, in Pharaoh's household, but he's moving himself up in leadership there as well. Now, he knows, and I'm moving very quickly through the Old Testament, he knows there's a famine coming. And so they start storing grain in, in Egypt. Well, the rest of the area has no food. So Joseph's brothers come down into Egypt to get food, and they meet with Joseph. They don't know who he is. Because it's been so long, he looks a little bit different, it's a lot different. They don't know who he is when they come to gather food. He forgives them, his entire family ends up moving down to Egypt, and 
Now we start to see a new nation growing within a nation of Egypt. Joseph forgives his brothers. His father's name is Jacob. Jacob comes as well, moves into Egypt. Now, God changes Jacob's name, changes his name to Israel. So now, all of the descendants of Jacob are now referred to as Israelites. It's Israel. It's a nation of Israel. So here's Joseph, and, and he dies at the end of chapter or Genesis chapter 50. And then we're going to transition into Exodus chapter 1. And now over the next couple of decades, what starts to happen is the Israelites grow in population. Remember, they're all in Egypt now, right? And so this small family... 12, 13, 15 people, it starts to grow. And, and the, the Israelites start raising kids. They start forming communities in Egypt. They really, really start getting a big population in Egypt. And the Egyptians start to realize, okay, there's way too many of them. And we really don't need this threat of a nation within our nation. So what they do is they make all the Israelites their slaves. Now, now we own them, and we can direct them, and we can control this nation of Israelites, and it's going to work out well for them for a little while. While they are slaves, the Israelites continue to tell the stories down the generations, telling the stories of how God promised Abraham, who is like a great, 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 great grandfather to all of them, promised Abraham that Abraham would be the father of many nations. So here's something that I want you to remember at this point in the story, and you can write this down. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you maybe joining us for the first time, on the back of your bulletin, there's some fill in the blanks, and I'm going to give those to you. Those answers are going to be up on the screen as well. Here's point number one in your notes this morning. God's plan for his people and your life go back to before time began. I want you to write this down. It's really important because God didn't just start thinking about you when you were born. He didn't just start thinking about you yesterday or when you came to church for the first time. No, he has been in your life from the very beginning of time that we can't even imagine. He's been thinking about you. He's been thinking about your family. He knows where you're at in your life right now. So back to the Israelites. They have never heard from God. We have. We've got his word in front of us. They hadn't. They had never heard from God. They had never seen God. All they had was the story from Abraham. And they worship a God. They don't, they don't really know who he is because they haven't seen him. But they're connected to God. Now, in order to, in order to control this population... The Egyptians have already made the Israelites slaves, but then they go a step further. And a decree goes out that any male baby that is born is to be killed right away. If the, if the Hebrew or Israelite women have a baby boy, you're going to kill them. 
And so what happened was baby boys, yeah, start to die. But there's one mom who really, of course, she doesn't know if she's having a boy or the girl, but she has a plan. She weaves together this basket, okay? And she's near the river, and Pharaoh's daughter is down here taking a bath in this river. She has a baby boy, and she puts this boy in this basket. Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby boy, okay? And asks her dad, hey, can I raise this baby boy? Yeah, you can raise this baby boy. So we have this Israelite baby boy, one of the few, because a lot of them were being killed at that time, now being raised up in the palace in Egypt. This boy's name is Moses. Moses now is going to be raised with a very good education. He's going to be raised seeing leadership in political realms. He's going to be raised with Pharaoh looking at him very favorably. Moses is the one who is going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Remember, they're slaves now, right? This boy, born, born of a slave woman, raised in the palace, is now going to get his people out of this situation. He tells Pharaoh, now, not right away, but this is many years he's been here in the palace. He comes and he tells, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Let the Israelites go. Pharaoh's like, no, uh -uh. no, free labor, no. So this is where God sends the 10 plagues, okay? I know that we're on fast forward right now, but 10 plagues, okay? Last plague leaves to Passover. At Passover, after Passover, and we'll talk more about that in the next few weeks, God gives the Israelites permission to plunder the Egyptians, take gold, take silver, take animals, and take off. Start heading out into the desert. And about three million people are going to walk out of Egypt under the Lord's power, they're going to start walking and following Moses now, their leader, okay? They get out there a little bit, they come to the Red Sea, okay? Bunch of water in our way, how do we get past this? This is where God splits the sea open. So the Israelites walk through, behind them as the Egyptians are coming, God collapses the, this, this sea on them. Israelites are fine on the other side. So here we are now out in the desert, three million people, Moses leading them, Egyptians trying to get them, and a wilderness in front of them. They don't really know where they're going yet. And that brings us to Exodus chapter 19. You'll see this up on the screen behind me. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Redifim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob Announce to it, 
announced to it the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So, you've got an entire nation down at the bottom of the mountain. You've got Moses has gone up to talk to God, and this is now some of these first words that we're hearing from God. He's talking to Moses, and one of the first things that God does is give Moses instructions. He tells him what to do. Now, how would we know what God wants from us unless God tells us? God has told us in his word, but here in this, Moses didn't have. He didn't have scripture to lean back on. Now he's hearing from God what God wants him to do. And God says, I want you to go and talk to the people. Tell them what I'm telling you to say. And they're going to tell others, I want the entire nation to hear this. Because this is really important. God says, you let them know. When they came to the Red Sea and they saw the waters wall up on each side, that was me. I did that. When, when you guys were out in, the, out in the desert and the Egyptians were coming, or, or during Passover, when you were able to get the gold and the silver and the animals from the Egyptians, that was me. I did that. Don't be thinking you guys had anything to do with this. No, I did that. And I've been caring for this nation. Thought you were wandering, I had my eye on you. I knew where you were. I knew where you were going. I want you to write this down too. This is point number two in your notes this morning. Without God's presence solid and secure in our lives, we will wander around in the wilderness. Without God's presence solid and secure in our lives, we will wander around in the wilderness. I wonder if any of us have wandered around in the wilderness. Yeah? You've been there before too? Yep, I got a hand back there. Yeah, wandering around, just aimlessly, going nowhere. So, why is this important? It is really important because we see that, that God is not leading his people on a wild goose chase. He's not taking them out in the desert for no reason at all. God says he is leading his people to himself. That's where they're going. That's why they are there. God's leading, still leading people, you and I, leading people to himself. And God says, if you obey my commandment, my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. Now that is a blessing. Imagine being, God saying, you can be my special treasure. See, here's the thing though. This covenant is conditional. We say at times unconditional love, right? No, this is conditional. There is a condition on this covenant. God says, if you will obey my covenant with you. So disobedience, you lose that blessing of special treasure, right? So 
This is a covenant with conditions. The word covenant, we don't use that very much in our culture anymore. But I want you to think of a covenant as a promise, a very strong promise, almost like a, a vow. We use vows in weddings, right? This is a very strong promise and, and an agreement between two people. And God says, you will be my people if we get to wedding ceremonies and we, we take that if out. God puts that if in, because this is important to him. If you will keep my commandments. Why? Why is it important to us? You might say, well, pastor, we're a New Testament church. We're on the New Testament side and Jesus, Jesus you know, ch changes everything. I, wanted to, I want you to realize something. Jesus trained 12 men over three years and he trained them to send them out so that they could bring other people to him. They could teach other people and that they can go out and plant churches. God is doing the same thing here, but he's doing it on a much larger scale. God is planning on training an entire nation of priests. God's plan is for his treasured people, his chosen people, to be an influence on everyone in the world. Not to be influenced by the world. He's training, his goal is to train priests to send out. That's a lot of priests, three million at the base of this mountain right now. And then God gives Moses some more instructions. Come back with me to verse number nine. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure that they are ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. There's a lot of details. In this, in this instruction from God, and this is your third point this morning, is this, even the small details of God's word matters. Even the small details. We can't look at the Ten Commandments and just call them the Ten Commandments. No, there's details here. There's details in the life of Christ. Details matter. God is so specific. The rest of this chapter, God is preparing, he's talking with Moses, preparing them to listen. Think about that. Preparing to listen. He's not preparing them to do anything. He's not preparing them to go on a missions trip. He's not preparing them to, to make food for each other. He's not preparing them for anything else except to listen. 
I wonder how much we prepare ourselves to listen. Think about how much you prepare for Thanksgiving meal. That takes some work, right? We prepare for Thanksgiving. God is preparing his people to listen. That's it. I'm in Exodus chapter 19, verse number 14. So Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship and he washed their clothes and and they washed their clothes. He told them, "Get ready for the third day, and until then abstain from having sexual intercourse." On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. This is one of, this is probably the most grand entrance of all time. I don't know if you've ever been to a graduation ceremony or maybe you go to a seminar and you have somebody come up first to introduce the speaker. And they tell you all of the books that this person has written, and they and they and they tell you all the degrees that this person has, and 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 they're just singing the praises of the of, of your 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 speaker who's going to come in for the main event. This is an amazing entrance, an amazing introduction. Imagine that you're you're waiting for the for the main speaker to come up. And imagine, there's fire up there. It seems like a concert now, right? There's fire up there, there's thunder, there's lightning, the floor is shaking underneath you, there's, there's smoke filling the sky. That is amazing entrance as God is coming to have a conversation with his people. Can you imagine that? That entrance you've never seen or spoken to or heard from God before. And he wants to have a conversation with you and that is his entrance, thunder and lightning, that's amazing. And it's for one reason. Because he wants to tell his people something very important. Come back with me, I'm in verse number 21. Remember when we left off, God called called Moses back up the mountain, okay? Then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. "But, But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, mark off a boundary all around the mountain and set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through to approach the Lord or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord said. 
before God is ready to speak. He tells Moses the same thing two more times. This is important to him, that the people understand and that Moses follows the instruction and God can make his appearance and he can talk to the people, but he wants them in a certain place and there's a mountain. He does not want them there. Now, imagine that concert or that graduation. Imagine, okay, so we're going to go to a concert. What happens to that front row if somebody takes that boundary down? You see what happens is people start rushing the stage, right? People are trying to get up on stage. They want to be right next to the artist. No, God says put a boundary around the mountain and don't let anyone come up here. That's important to him. It's time. God is ready. Moses has brought Aaron back up the mountain and God's ready to talk to his people for the very first time. And this is the moment. This is a big deal. It's the moment that everyone has been waiting for. They're in their place. The guest of honor is here, ready to take his position at the podium. The microphone is working. The crowd is hushed. And everyone is waiting. Everyone is listening. I'm in Exodus chapter 20, verse number 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God. That's where our story is going to end this morning. The rest of it we're going to pick up on Wednesday nights. God is now speaking to his people. He prepared them to listen because this was really, really important to him. And then he introduces himself as your God. Your God. I am the Lord, your God. He's going to start into the Ten Commandments here in the next couple of verses. You imagine that. The first time that you hear from God, he says, I am the Lord, your God. And then he starts in with his commands for us. I think I would say that's pretty important, right? New Testament church, Jesus is all that matters. Yeah, we hear that from time to time. We do. Did the Ten Commandments still matter? Jesus thought that they did. In Jesus' ministry, he spoke about every single one of the Ten Commandments. He referenced every single one of them. There was a moment that we find in the book of Mark. Jesus speaks to a gentleman who has some money. He's a rich guy. I'm in Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And he says, there is still one thing you haven't done. Go sell all of your possessions 
and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Watch this. Then come follow me. Then come follow me. Jesus didn't stop at commandment number 10 and said, okay, you're good. No, he said, now come follow me. But what he didn't do was say, none of those matter anymore. Don't worry about those. Just love everyone and you'll be fine. No, they still matter. Ten Commandments for us are certainly guardrails in our life. They are. They really keep us on the right road. They keep us from falling off of the path. They keep us focused on God. Ten Commandments are important. Here's the final point in your notes this morning. Point number four is this. We should care about the Ten Commandments because God gave them. That's it. Why do we care about them? Because God gave them. That's why we care about them. This isn't just a random author. This isn't just simply some notes that came out of history that other people said are important. No, these are important to us. Now, I'll tell you something that did happen. The Jewish people took these commandments, but they took them to the extreme, way extreme. And they would take commandments like, like keep, keep this, the Sabbath holy, and they would dive in and create other rules out of it. God never said, take my commandment and then create your own rules branching off of that. By the time they were done, the Jews had 613 different rules that were all kind of powered off of these commands. And God never intended for us to change his word. He intended for us to influence others. He intended for priests to go out and influence the world. But what happens when we take our eyes off of God? What happens when we put these commandments behind us and just say that's for somebody else? We get off our guide rails. We go out and start making our own path. And you know what happens when we do that? We end up wandering in the wilderness again. Again. That's where God found us. Out wandering around. Not having any direction. He starts out introducing himself to you. God says, I am the Lord your God. That's the first thing that he wants you to know. I am the Lord your God. If you, if you will obey my covenant, he says, I will make you my special treasure. Imagine that. 
You are God's special treasure. Some of you might say, you know, I, I don't really feel like I'm very special to anyone. You're special to God. You're very special to God. You know what you do with things that are special? You take very good care of them, don't you? Maybe it's an heirloom in your house from a great-great-grandmother. You don't let the kids play with it, huh? No? You tuck it somewhere and you keep it safe. That's your faith. Your faith is so special. But if we let that out for the kids to play with and it gets broken, well, it's that heirloom that's been handed down to us. We can't hand down anymore. We let the world break it. We let them destroy it. No. You're God's special treasure. We're to be kept safe. Your faith is to be kept safe because you're special to God. Why should we care about the Ten Commandments? Because God gave them to us. He says, I'm the Lord your God. It's the first thing he does is give us instruction, give us direction. I'm thankful that God didn't start out with small talk. He didn't start out in a conversation. He's kind of nervous, doesn't really know what to say to us, right? Starts talking about the weather. No. God starts off with instruction for us. That's powerful. That's powerful. Wednesday nights, after we eat at 6.30, kids are going to be across the way and they're going to be studying the Ten Commandments too. Adults, we're going to be in here. And I pray that on your way home that you and your kids will talk about what you learned. And I pray that you will lead your children into this study and let them know, yeah, we should care about the Ten Commandments because God gave them. Will you pray with me?